1: Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups, and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host.
0: So we have uh, Damon Damon Burton, right? Um, I should remember to pronounce that because my son's name is Damon, Uh, from SEO National. On the show today, and uh, he's going to help us demystify SEO.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because it's you know,
0: such a mysterious blob, and it's so difficult for us to figure out. Especially now, I mean, I have a like a really old understanding of what SEO is all about uh, uh, from years and years ago, and I'm thinking, okay, everything I hear all the time is that it changes all the time. So I have probably know nothing about SEO in 2019. So maybe you can help, like. Pull the veil back a little bit and let us know exactly what's going on nowadays.
1: Yeah, but first I got to tell you a funny story since you asked to clarify sure. my, the pronunciation of my name. So <laughs> my so my wife and I we've been we've been married for 12 years and she has a twin brother, and he refuses to call me Damon. No way. His name. <laughs> I'm Damien to him, and no matter how many times you correct him, he goes, "I don't care. You're Damien." <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that happens to my son too. He's always being called Damien, and he's he, he always corrects everybody who calls him that. So yeah, yeah.
1: I get I, when I answer the phone a lot too. I'm like, "Hi, this is Damien." They're like, "Hi, David." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets that too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, you, you brought up uh, you know the old understanding of SEO and and things changing all the time and the the things changing all the time is actually something i really enjoy talking about so i'll save that for for the latter um so the old understanding of seo a lot of times people think hey seo is just like this thing i turn on or i have my web guy uh, just go put a bunch of keywords on the page and boom there i am and that's always really surprising to me um as we were chatting just before we we jumped on the show that uh some of these things are where i've been in this for so long, just standard knowledge to me. So it's always interesting to revisit these topics that mm-hmm. still kind of float around to everybody else. So it's not about keyword stuffing nowadays. The easiest way to explain what SEO is is – actually, let's just break it down from the very beginning, the the, the meaning. So SEO is search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. So it's the process of getting your website to show up at the top of Google and other search engines for words that you can monetize. Right Now, the way that you do that is it, it, if you hyper – Summarize it and categorize it into into two buckets. The first bucket is what you do on your website, and the second bucket is what you do externally to your website. Mm-hmm. So the first bucket is is not just stuffing keywords anymore and hiding text and just, just all those like manipulative things that often come to mind. It's, yeah, that so, stuff's that stuff's old,
0: right? Nobody does that anymore. But in fact, that'll probably knock you down if you do stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that right? exactly. You can actually okay. do more harm than good nowadays. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that is long dead and gone is is meta keywords now there's multiple meta tags oh really that's good to know (laughs) yeah yeah. now you're gonna go hit up your web guy (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute you told me these things were important (laughs) so you know there's there's different meta tags so i'm specifically talking about the meta keyword tag now the meta keyword tag is as far back as 2009 so 10 years ago google themselves came out, Matt Cutts, who at the time was kind of one of their engineers and was the face of SEO for on Google's behalf, there's a very clear video where he just comes out and he goes, no, we don't look at keywords. So yeah. it's like that simple. No, meta yeah. keywords don't matter anymore. Now, the reason why is is if you don't know what meta keywords are, they're this little snippet of text and code. It's it's comma-separated words that you put in, in the code of your website that you don't necessarily see visually. It's just kind of behind the scenes in the code. And the original intent of that, that meta keyword tag is to help advise search engines what your website was about. And then understandably that got abused because you could very clearly just put whatever you wanted in there. So Google started to look for other factors that were less likely to be manipulated and, and just killed that entirely. They don't even use it anymore.
0: Yeah, it so. makes sense because, I mean, those terms aren't even visual visualized by a human being looking at it. Yeah, right? I mean, why would it be? Why would it make sense? Because if you think about Google's target is relevancy, right? They want something that's relevant to a human being looking at it. So having these keywords in some place hidden or on white on white text or whatever, whatever kind of junk we were used to do, uh, is useless. It wouldn't make any sense for for a human being to make that assumption, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So a lot of times, search engines, Google will say treat treat us like an everyday visitor. So Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if they can't read it, we can either. And that kind of is a is a good segue into that first bucket we were talking about, about what you do on your website. Right. So the the things that you do on your website that adds to that relevancy is, you know, is your what is the content on your website? You, mm-hmm. you can you can for the most part only rank for what Google can read. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, it can it can take in variations of words and similarities, but you have to have the general context there in some capacity now beyond your content then does your website load quickly because Google says nobody likes a slow website so we don't either so if your competitors websites fast and yours is slow then they're gonna have an advantage the other thing is is it mobile friendly is it intuitive right So, so those are kinda like that first category that first bucket so then the second bucket is what you do externally to your website and what a lot of people are surprised to learn is that more often than not, not always, every industry varies a little bit, but more often than not, that second category, that external credibility, is really what drives your rankings. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but it's only going to be effective if you knock out that first category. Right. So you have to build that solid foundation, have a good, efficient website, then work on that external credibility. And what I mean by that external credibility is, is there any buzz going on about your brand? Are people talking about it? Are people linking to your website? Do you show up in the news and your competitor doesn't? So do you have any of that external visibility more so than your competitors?
0: Right, right. Well, I remember Google's original concept was page rank, right? Where if you you were mentioned in a lot of other places, then it automatically pumped you up. But I'm assuming the algorithm is way more complicated than that now. And it looks at the authority of the sites that are linking to you, and and the mentioning of your brand on other sites and things like that.
1: Yeah, so PageRank is still a big big factor, and and what 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 more specifically that was is when a website links to yours, um, you know, it's kind of like that that vote in the popularity contest. Mm-hmm. Now it used to be a quantity play, um, quantity over quality, but yep. in, in 2011 and 2012, Google came out with two big algorithm updates, and one of those. Really hammered down on the shotgun approach to backlinks because it was very easy back then to just automate and scale backlinks, but they would be on irrelevant, on a, a, random websites. Right. Um, and so then they said, okay, now it's a quality play. So now it's more important to, to get, you know, ten backlinks from a website that is of comparable content or within your industry. Than it is to get a hundred backlinks from just totally unrelated, low-quality, unmoderated websites. Right. Um, so yeah, page rank is still a big factor, and, and it has obviously grown. And and now they even take into consideration what's called citations, which is when your brand is is referenced but not necessarily hyperlinked. Mm, so mm. those will count a little bit. But yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a whole bunch of, of moving parts and you had asked you know how do you stay on on top of it with things changing so much and I kind of answered that I kind of answered that two ways so yes SEO is always changing obviously the algorithms are always changing but no the core concepts are still the same. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of these agencies that come and go or turn and burn their clients are because they're always paying attention to the new shiny thing, you know, what's what's the latest trend. So for me and my company, we take the opposite approach. So in the 12 years that we've been at this, we've never had a client get a penalty. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've never had any crazy large increases and decreases. It's just like that consistent growth. so the, the way we approach that is uh, SEO is always about content. It's always about links. It's always about good site structure. And then within those things, sure, those change. But at its core, it's like still the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to get too crazy. Um, you know, granted, there's probably some shortcuts that other agencies can offer that might rank you quicker. But more than likely, it's going to come back to bite you later. Right,
0: right. So it sounds like you're saying that The first thing you need to do is have good content, uh, a quick-loading site, and the keywords that you're going after have to be in the content, but at the right um, density. Is that right?
1: More more or less, yeah. So the
0: you don't want to go overboard on keywords. So if you're if you're interested in uh, I don't know innovation, like my like our site, uh, you know you can't have every blog post filled with the word innovation. Right, that's, that's over. That's over. That's too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. There, there used to be. Um, you had said density, keyword density, used to be a, a really popular term in the industry, and a lot of people still focus on it. Um, I, in my opinion, the majority of, of the industry is kind of shied away from being as literal on the keyword density as they used to um, you know people used to say shoot for around three percent keyword density and you know no more than six and so what mm-hmm. that means is for every hundred words on your page um, if you have a three percent density then three times out of the hundred words you should mention one of your keywords right um, so so Google's smart enough to understand the context of what you're saying so you don't have to uh, you know an example would be, If you are, like we have a client in Las Vegas who's an attorney, and so they have this big law firm. We don't always have to say attorney, attorney, attorney. Sometimes we can say lawyer, right? and so it's still going to rank fairly equally for both those terms regardless if the majority of the times we say attorney. right?
0: So you see, what you're telling me, these are great. This is all great, but it seems very complicated, and it changes a lot. Is there... Is it possible for a typical business, a typical startup, to do it themselves, or should they
1: really hire somebody like you? It, it boils down to time or money. So mm-hmm. you can certainly do it if you have the time. But you bring up a great point. Just just the logistics behind how much goes into an SEO campaign. Often it just doesn't make sense. You know, right. you have you have your day job, or you have to run your business, or you're starting your side hustle, and you just don't have the capacity to squeeze in those couple hours, which is understandable. So you know, at that point, you got to decide: okay, can I can I put in the time, or do I need to put in, have somebody else put in their time, which equates to money? Mm-hmm. So it's certainly doable. the The place that I always say that you can start, and it's the easiest, is if, if you want to kind of pick a, a, a like a Cliff Notes version of where to start. It's <laughs> it's make your website. Uh, efficient and and load quickly, have a good structure, then it's build the content, then try and share the content. Right. So it has to be done in that order. Yeah, because if you start cranking out good content and you have a poor structure and it loads slowly, um, it's going to turn search engines away, which then they're not going to rank you for it, which means they're not going to bring traffic. Right. So you have to do that solid foundation first, then you can start pumping out the content, and, and then you can start experimenting with that external credibility. But the, the two parts where you usually run into a, a, a hurdle with time is content production and backlinks. So right. there's uh, on the content side of things, the way that I always recommend someone tackle that on their own, and it's the same procedure that we take in my company, is to build out a content calendar. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we build out a 52-week content calendar, so we have a, we have a template when we board a new client where it has – um, you know, each month, and then within each month, it's broken down further, and it has each week, and then within the week, it has a couple rows. Like there's the topics, a, a topic for the week, the notes for that topic, um, reference material, links for that topic. So what we do is we front load our efforts, and we take a month to figure out what we're going to write for the year, right. instead of trying to write every Friday, because. Right. Like, if you think you're going to write every Friday and just put on your writer's crap, your, your writer's crap, your, <laughs> your writer's cap, it's not going to happen. Like I have one of those, by the way, it writer's writer's crap, no, Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so um, you know, after, if you try and tackle writing, let's say every Friday, either you're going to get interrupted or probably more often than not, you're just not going to be in the groove. Right. And so it's really hard to just say, I'm going to write. On this reoccurring time frame, so what what we've experienced that works better is we strategize it ahead of time, then at the moments where you say, "Hey, I'm in a groove today. I've taken my writer's crap for the morning <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> feeling I'm gonna, so much better now. <laughs> I'm going to crank this out now. then you can just knock out like ten blogs. Right, and then and then future datum. So just because you write them that day doesn't mean you have to publish them that day. Yeah, yeah. And and then you can space them out. So that's where we say to start with uh, the content strategy is map it out. It's going to be infinitely easier if you map it out.
0: Right. Well, it sounds like to me you you basically said that content marketing and SEO have merged. They're now yeah. one and the same.
1: Um. Uh, uh, yes and no, because yes and I don't no. want the content marketers to get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like content marketing, well, to make them
0: even more angry, content marketing is a subset of SEO, right? Because the SEO has, has the speed, has the structure, and then it has the content as part of it, and then you have the content. And I'm assuming when you talk about back, um, the second phase where you're talking about off-site, it's not just... Posting to Twitter, saying, "Hey, here's a new blog post." It's also doing guest posting and stuff right. like that as well. So there's a content marketing, a huge content marketing piece to SEO.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we do is so definitely content marketing is a huge part of SEO. It's right. it's if you wanted to, we could we could continue to simplify things and say a third of, um, well, I'd say you know twenty five percent of. Now I'm going to corner myself in having to understand percentages. <laughs> so, so we'll say we'll say 20% of SEO is uh, site structure, mm-hmm. and then uh, let's see, we got 80% left. So we'll split that in half, and 40% is is content, and the other 40% is external credibility. Mm-hmm. And but those last two also overlap, and I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, some of our clients, we don't, we do not directly do backlinks for. We indirectly do backlinks. And what I mean by that is we focus more on content. Mm -hmm. And so by producing well-researched, well-written content, it's going to naturally attract backlinks, which are probably better quality than we could have done just by going out with a direct backlink effort anyway. So depending on how competitive your industry is, a lot of times it just makes sense to not directly care about backlinks because indirectly you're going to attract them anyway if you put more time towards content. Right, right.
0: Well, okay, that's cool. Um, so what else do I have to ask you? So what about, you? so I do that kind of, I do that actually, I, I sit down and I have this session that I, I run called Shut Up and Write. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's it's a meetup where you basically, it's a kind of a non-meetup. You sort of sit down with a bunch of other writers, and you just write. You don't talk to each other. It's kind of weird. Mm. But at that session, I crank out three or four blog posts, and then that goes into the queue. So I kind of do that. But what about people who are interested in sort of, I don't even know if this is still, still works for SEO, is newsjacking, where there's something really interesting happening mm-hmm. now. I'm going to write a blog post about it so I can sort of try to ride the wave of news
1: on that. Does that work anymore, or is that? It does, yeah. Um, it definitely works. Uh, we don't we don't necessarily implement that as a direct strategy just because it's not scalable. Right. Like, like you can't schedule news because you don't know when the news is going to come and what it's going to be about. Yeah. Um, but if you have the flexibility or you're in a position where you can kind of keep a pulse on things, and if something comes on your radar and you can jump on it, spend an hour and crank something out, then yeah, there's definitely opportunity there. Um, but I wouldn't count on it being a scalable process. Right. Right so only if something comes along and
0: and you're able to do something quick and then but then so like that is not that's not evergreen right that that's for that particular yeah. time frame and unless you can tie it to something that's broader so there's my question about mm-hmm. doing things that are contextually temporally important or evergreen i'm assuming the evergreen stuff is way more interesting to the search engines
1: yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of vary by industry. So sometimes the industry it makes more sense. Uh, timeliness and relevancy is more important than evergreen. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, like news and politics probably make more sense to be have fresher content. Right. Um, but other industries, evergreen, uh, makes a lot of sense. And and so I'll, I'll kind of dive into a big shift we're making in our content strategy right now. Is historically when we mapped out our 52 week content calendar. It, it's just like what it sounds. We'd have four to five blogs per month that we'd map out, and they'd average, you know, 600 to 1,000 words. And, and I, don't, I don't, the only reason why I say cute, the, the, the word quantity is, is just to give you an average. Um, I'm not a fan of matching a, a minimum word count, mm. because I think that it's more important to write something that makes sense, and flows naturally, and gets the point across when it gets the point across, whether it's shorter or longer. And if you start stuffing keywords, then I think at some point you, there's a point of dilution where you just start to ramble. Um, um,
0: no, I agree with you because I have that same thing. I I try to keep it to a minimum of 500 words. And I'm going, I'm going. How can I? How how else can I fill this out? But what's yeah. the search engine looking for? Is a search engine is Google okay with less than 500 words? Less than
1: 600 words? It, it depends on what the searcher is searching for. So if right. if somebody searches, um, what are the ingredients to Whatever, and yeah. then there's three ingredients. Then obviously you're not gonna write a thousand, pay a thousand word blog post about it. Uh, <laughs> so, true. so true. it varies. Um, but what what we've been doing with our our so I guess if we just want a yes or no answer, yes, usually evergreen longer form content tends to perform better right. as mm-hmm. an average. Obviously there's exceptions. Right. Um, so what we've been doing, and, and this is like right now, this is something we're in the middle of doing, is we've been we've been keeping that that content calendar, but instead of doing 52 weeks, we'll still map out 52 weeks worth of topics so we have a wider selection. Mm-hmm. But then what we do is when it comes time to write, we go, okay, out of for, for this month or for the next month that we're writing in advance for, out of the five available topics that we researched, these two are going to be either more polarizing or we can write longer form content and pull more data about. Mm-hmm. And so we end up just... Picking two now, so we can write. Um, so earlier, like I said, the average of six hundred to a thousand words. Now we're going to go, you know, thousand to two thousand words uh, right. as a kind of a minimum. And and so in in our testing, that's historically done a lot better. And so yeah, we're we're moving towards long form content. But like that's not the that's not the end all say all. Uh, there there's exceptions, but yes, on average, that tends to perform better. Okay, so
0: ideally. You want long, um, long-form content for everything, right? Because that will pull pull better.
1: Yeah, and and there's there's a variety of reasons why. One is obviously there's there's more content within it for Google to read, and, and so it tends to be more relevant because you cover more. Right. Um, than the keyword density thing, and then um, you know you can end up getting. Uh, what we like to do with a lot of that content is is repurpose it too and which makes the the content even longer and, and what mm-hmm. I mean by that is we'll take and depending on the client if it makes sense we'll we'll repurpose that content into an infographic or a video right. Right. and then we'll embed that in the original post and so now, you're, you know, your competitor has a blog post, but now you have a blog post that has text and video and images. Right. So usually when you have longer form content, it gives you more to work with as well.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense because I've done that myself with sort of repurposing some of the content. This is a long blog post, turn it into a bunch of videos or something like that. So that works. Um, you were, So you're talking 52 weeks, which tells me you're looking at a weekly cadence for good results. Is that – True, because there's plenty. I think there's plenty out there who do daily. There's others who do monthly. Is weekly a good medium, or is it not often enough?
1: I would say that's at at a minimum of what you want to pursue if you're doing just kind of the standard length um, blog posts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as I was kind of saying, we're going to move away from four to five a month to two a month. So obviously. We won't be averaging weekly at that point, but the content's going to be a lot longer. So I would say if you're going to do short forms, copy, standard length blog posts, aim for at least um, weekly. Weekly just seems the, the quantity that is realistic that you can probably squeeze in between all the other stuff you got going on, right? Um, but still, it's not daily, and so you're not going to burn yourself out. So I would say short form. Try and aim for at least um, weekly, and then if you can do longer form, then a twice a month is is a good baseline.
0: Right, right. So, and then the other thing you mentioned was videos, and I'm assuming, although this is seems very text focused, do you also do videos and podcasts in the, in the in the content creation and does that have any reflection on what happens with your results
1: yeah so the, the process we take with videos is um, we take and repurpose the the text from the blog post so what's nice if if, if you work with if you're an, an agency as a listener it's a little bit different than if you're the business owner because as a business owner you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. but now as an agency you, you tend to have to get approval from your client yeah. and so and instead of going hey here's the blog post is it approved yes okay cool now here's different text for a video is it approved maybe and and then you just delay yourself right so we once the blog post is approved uh, we just take that and work with it because it's already approved okay. and then we'll repurpose that into a video now the way that in our experience that's benefited SEO is we'll we'll take that video we'll load it to YouTube because you know, Google owns YouTube and, and whether it's it's admitted or not, there's obviously some favoritism there. Right. And so you can there's a couple benefits. One indirect benefit is you can have a, a greater footprint on search results because you can have your your blog post or your, your text based page show up in the search results and the video show up as a completely independent result. Hmm. So you can have two results on page one instead of just one. Now after it's loaded to YouTube then we'll go embed that at the bottom of the blog post and we do the bottom because we want the text above the fold um Mm -hmm. because usually uh, it's kind of a a common agreement in the industry that the further down the text then the more likely google is going to say well if it's if it's further down it's probably not as important right so we want that important text up top Um,
0: so is this video then a sort of a subset or is it just sort of somebody reading (laughs) <laughs> reading it into a Wait. video. I'm just trying to figure out where the content comes from. Is it also is it, is it just sort of summarizing the content of the blog post?
1: Yeah. So it'll be a yeah. It, it'll be a narrated version of the blog post. So it'll be okay. a, a video that's like think of like a super fancy PowerPoint. It's not as bland as a PowerPoint. Um, we make it visually appealing. You're not going to go run a commercial on it, but. Mm-hmm. It's it's if somebody sees it, it's not something you're going to be embarrassed about. Right. So it's you know visually appealing. It uses stock photography um, that is relevant to the context, and then the text gets narrated on screen. So yeah, it is literally a repurposing of the text. Okay. Um, so once that's done, then if the website runs on WordPress, which the majority of sites do, um, then there's a cool plugin. Uh, that it's, it's, I can't remember the exact name of it but if you search Google XML video sitemap mm-hmm. it'll it'll be something like that and um, when you plug that into WordPress then it that plugin will detect if you have a video on YouTube or Vimeo or there's like two or three major providers that it'll automatically detect the, the embed code mm-hmm. and if it detects that It'll automatically add that to a little XML sitemap, and and if you don't know what an XML sitemap is, is basically when a search engine comes to your website, it says, I, I think there's you know here's a page, I see a link within it, I'm going to follow that link, go to the next page, and then I and then just continue that process, and that's why they call it a crawler, because it just crawls across these links. Right. Now if you don't have content that's interconnected, then it's going to miss it. So a sitemap says. Google. instead of you looking for stuff, I'm just going to blatantly show you everywhere Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. it is. So XML sitemaps are are pretty common with content, with text-based content, but I think a lot of people are missing the opportunity to have an XML sitemap for images and videos too. And so once you get this video XML sitemap set up, then you can uh, log into Google Search Console and then put that in there, and then every time that gets updated, you're just automatically going to ping Google and say, hey, we got a video.
0: Right, right. So all of this stuff that you've talked about is seems to me like a lot of work. (laughs) So so you're already I mean I'm I'm sitting here going oh my god this is a lot of work and uh, so I'm ready to sort of say shut up and take my money. So how much? (laughs) How much would something like? this is another thing that really annoys me there's so many companies that they're getting ripped off by these fly-by-night agencies who say mm-hmm. oh we're gonna do all this stuff for you in fact it happened to us too uh, a yeah. couple years ago and I'm like you guys did nothing for us and they said they yeah. were doing SEO and content blah 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 mm-hmm. nothing happened so what we, what is a good number I, obviously you can't tell me exactly because you know it all depends on the customer but you know how much is too much and how much is too little
1: like what makes sense? So, just based on the logistics of the things you have to do, um, you know, anybody that says they're going to do it for a couple hundred bucks is—it's—they're it's, just taking your money and running. Right. Um, so, at the very least, and this isn't an, so, our minimum is is somewhere around two thousand dollars month range. Mm-hmm. Um, it, other agencies that are just kind of a like smaller and maybe just a one man show that they can take on less clients and less competitive industries maybe if you're lucky, in, if you're in a, a non-competitive industry and you're not in a geographically competitive area, like you're targeting just a city and not a state or a country, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe 750 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, anything less than that, no way. Like there's just no way that you can create that much content, do that much yeah. backlinks, clean up that website. Yeah. Um, so the, the way that we price out SEO is, is it boils down uh, to three things. Um, I, we do not do packages. So the problem that I see with packages is if you have a sales team, then the sales team, it's they're obviously incentivized to charge more. Mm -hmm. And so clients can get oversold. Um, if you have a cheaper package, then for obvious reasons, a lot of clients are going to go, just give me the cheaper one. And, and then you know that you're not going to deliver them results. Right. So when we take on a new client or talk to a lead, we look at three things. So the first thing is, is, is what is their industry? Is it super competitive or is it more niche and less competitive? So obviously, Mm -hmm. the more competitive it is, the the more assets you got to create and the more cost. Right. Um, So the second thing is, is what's the geographical target? Are you a dentist that's only in one city or are you a a dentist with multiple locations and you're you're targeting statewide or are you a national real estate agency? So you're you're competing against the whole country Mm -hmm. or are you, you international? So obviously, the larger you go, the more competition there too. Then the last component is what's the back end? Does it run on WordPress, which is super easy to get into and touch what you need to touch, or is it outdated and it's static HTML and and everything is just going to be this super manual process, which is fine. You can still optimize it. It's just going to take way longer. Right. right. Um, so depending on those three things, um, you know most of our clients are in the two to five thousand dollar month range, and and then obviously sky's the limit after that. And then when you start engaging with somebody how long does it usually
0: take before the effects are known because i mean i've i've read i've watched some things on it and they say oh it could take up to 18 months to actually get a dent like make a dent into it Mm -hmm. Um, i mean are you able to see results quickly sometimes or i mean is it all a crapshoot or what kind of results do you normally see
1: so it's important to understand like to, to have clear expectations. So you can definitely see progress, but progress doesn't mean a return on your investment. Right. So the what I always tell people is you are in this for at least a year. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that it's going to take a year and then all of a sudden this switch gets flipped and, and then it's just raining money. Um, so what usually happens is uh, I, I, obviously, if you're an e-commerce-based business and you can tie the online action to a conversion, then you can, you can track that conversion. But you know, if you're a service-based industry and you can't track those things, then where you start is you look at rankings. So we run a, what we call a pre-SEO report. So after we've done the keyword research, we, we make sure we're targeting words that people actually care about and, and you can monetize, and there's search volume behind it then we'll we'll run a report and say, all right, here's where you're at now. And then we'll use we'll we'll use that as a benchmark and every month we go, okay, that where you used to be on page ten, now some of those are on page nine. Mm-hmm. You're still not going to get a sell on page nine, but now you can see the needle moving. Right. So the kind of the average that I tend to communicate to clients is you're gonna see a, a quarter increase per quarter. And mm-hmm. and what I mean is a quarter of your keywords are going to move every three months right so if you target um you know just just for easy conversation let's say you do, there's 10 words that you're really gunning for um after and you run your pre-seo report and just for the most part none of them are showing up in the first 10 pages so after the first quarter three of those 10 are going to show up on page nine or ten right. um, then by month six those ones are going to move to page four or five and then you got three new ones that come rolling in and it's a slow progression so mm-hmm. You definitely see the progress, but until you get to that point where they start tipping onto page one, um, rankings are kind of your benchmark. And then once you start on page one, then traffic comes, and so then you can start looking at your analytics and your traffic increases. And, and then obviously, as the traffic comes, so do the sales. And so if you have other metrics you can measure, then you can start to quantify the results that way too. Right,
0: right. So I know I'm going I'm to ask this question because I know I'm going to get this question. Why? Would I do this and not just spend two grand a month on AdWords?
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah, good question. (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: it's like you're telling me I got to go at least a year, and so that's like $24,000, or I can put $2,000 in now per month and possibly get a sale that'll cover my costs. So, what's your uh, rationale? I think I know what you're going to tell me, but I would love to hear it.
1: Sure, yeah. So, I mean, SEO isn't right for anybody, and it's not a zero sum game where you got to do paid or SEO. A lot of times you'll start with paid ads just to ramp things up, and, and then as SEO kicks in and, and starts to overlap it, then you can, you, if, if paid pays for itself, then keep doing it, but a lot of times you'll just phase it out. So, um, the with with paid ads paid ads versus SEO they have the almost the exact opposite pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So with with paid ads the nice thing is that it's quick. You can get a campaign running within a, a day or two if you know what you're doing, or you know if you go with an agency, then it's usually up within a week. Um, now the downside to paid ads is there's always a budget associated with it. Mm-hmm. So if you say, I, I want to increase my exposure, then you got to increase your budget. Yep. Or if you go, I need to tighten my budget, well, then you're going to decrease your leads. Yep. Now, with SEO, it's the opposite. It's slow. And the reason why it's slow is because it takes time to do the research, takes time to build up the assets, takes time to distribute the assets, takes time for Google to see that new content and decide what to do with it. So, the, the w- one thing that's important to understand about SEO is when people tell you it takes a year, it's not just to lock you in, it's just, just how it works. It's a slow yeah. process. Yeah. Now, the advantage to SEO is your budget doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So, as that starts to kick in, your return on your investment just continues to increase. And there's, um, you know, after a year, let's say you're, you're doing really well, and um, usually what our clients do is, is we just expand their reach. So we, we do some more research and add in some new keywords to the mix and just grow, grow, grow. Right. But if for some reason you got to go, Oh, I gotta, I gotta kill this for two months. Um, while I don't advise it, you're not going to fall off the map instantly like you would if you turn paid ads off. Right. right. Um, so that's some of the reason. And then, and then some of the other reasons are, um, with paid ads, people get what's called banner blindness. Mm-hmm. They, they look at it, and they just go, oh, I know that's an ad, and skip over it. Yeah. So once you start getting that those top-ranking positions, your potential reach is way higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on the keyword, it's, it's usually at least three times more clicks on yeah. an organic listing um, than a paid ad, and it's as higher as you know 10 times more volume. Yeah.
0: So I had a feeling you were going to say, do both. but <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> So you did say
0: it. Okay, cool. Um, so let's say I have no idea – As an entrepreneur, I've got my website. My website is out there. I just threw it up there. It's got some content on it. How do I know that it sucks? Obviously, it doesn't show up (laughs) in my search results. Is there some kind of tool I can use? And I know you guys have a tool on your site. Is there some kind of tool I can use which says, "Hey, your site sucks, and this is why."
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's actually. Or do you guys have
0: some secret tool that you use that does that for you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, we have we have in-house tools, yeah. But you know, one thing that I hope that I can communicate in this conversation is that I'm not the guy that's like we have these proprietary things and it's all like we're not mm-hmm. going to tell. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest one of the biggest red flags with an SEO company is they're like when an agency kind of, when a customer comes to them and says, well, how do you do what you do? And they go, oh, well, yeah. you know. It's, it's secret. Like the, the word proprietary, I absolutely hate in the context of SEO conversations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I'll tell you exactly what we use. Um, so, one cool tool that's free is, is GTmetrics.com and it's M mm-hmm. E T R I X.com. Yep. Um, that does page speed. And I like that one way more better than Google's um, page speed test. Right. Both are free. But the problem I have with Google's page speed test is that it's super generic. It's just like, oh, this something sucks, like something's yeah. too close, yeah. whatever. And half the yeah. time, the stuff that it tells you, uh, a page that has issues, it's a false positive. Like right. I'll have clients that try to keep a pulse on things on their own, even though they know we're doing it, and they go, hey, what's this? And and just, for real, nine out of ten times, I tell them, ignore it. It's just the dumbest thing, and it's wrong, and it's false positive. Yeah. So I waste more time on Google's tools than, than I discover something out of them. Wow.
0: So Metrics is good because I, I use that too. And it tells me that certain things suck, but I have no idea how to fix them. So I guess that's where you guys would come in and say, oh, you know what? I mean, we run it WordPress too. And I was going to ask about WordPress because it seems like 99% of the Internet is using WordPress in some way. Yeah. Um, how do you st- – uh, this is a question for another time, but how do you st- uh, thin it down? Because it is pretty heavy, right? I mean, it's pretty it's – a, it's a pretty robust – cms right it has a lot of overhead to it or maybe maybe i'm just doing it wrong
1: um i mean there's some pretty there's some pretty uh, standard ways to really make a positive impact so yeah i mean gt metrics part part of the reason why i love it is, is part of the, i guess the downside that you brought up is that it's very specific so mm. i mean if you have a technical problem it's a technical problem there's not there's not a simplistic way like if you don't know where this missing image is like you don't know where the missing image is so that's right there's not like a way to there's not a way to shortcut it yeah um, but yeah GT metrics you're gonna have to know uh, I like it because it's very clear it says not only is your page slow but it's because of caching and yeah. within caching here's the things that are screwing up caching yeah or your image is bloated and and it, it, Google might just leave it at that but GT metrics will say it's bloated here's the actual image and here's the right. percent that it's bloated by right Um,
0: And then you have to, of course, if you're technical at all, have to try and figure out how to de-bloat the the image and all the other stuff that metrics is suggesting. But you guys would do that, right? So we would say, hey, you know, my site is in bad shape. Please do something with it or fix it up. So you go through that that initial process of cleaning it up, making sure the structure is okay, and then you move to the next step. Do you ever just do that part? Or do you always do the whole thing?
1: Uh, very rarely, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we tend to do the whole thing because um, I- in the circumstances where we do, it's it's either some sort of referral or where we feel more comfortable with it. The reason why we usually don't do it is because um, the type of person that says I want to do just this, I want you to do just just this one thing, and we're going to do the rest is probably the type of person that's going to screw it up. Right. And so, <laughs> and they blame you, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so if we're going to do something, we're going to do it all because that way we know we're going to we're going to do it efficiently and thoroughly yeah um, but i mean there are there are ways uh, specific to wordpress there are ways that you can get a head start um like i said i have no problem uh, just giving away the farm and educating people there's uh with wordpress there's two plugins that work really great uh, one is wp fastest cache mm-hmm. and there's a ton of caching plugins but wp fastest cache not only is it more simplistic and it's configuration options and its interface Um, but the results are better we used to use a a different one called w3 total cache Mm -hmm. and that one was like super complex for an everyday user but we would go in there and we knew how to configure it but then when we started testing wp fastest cache against w3 total cache the fastest cache would get we would have a page that was sitting at maybe four and a half seconds uh, in how long it would take to load with Mm -hmm. w3 and we throw w fastest cache on it and it go down to one and a half
0: whoa
1: and so we started that sounds notice,
0: great
1: <laughs> yeah we started noticing clear improvements and so uh, a couple of months ago we just removed that from our process and added the other plugin and, and mm-hmm. just updated all our clients so that's one WP fastest cache and then with the image bloat um, there's one called WP smush mm-hmm. um, that one works really well to save on image load
0: cool this is great. this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, one more thing. <clears throat> so we have the speed thing, right? So GT still tells you what's going on with your site for speed. Is there another tool that will help you figure out where you are, like where you are in phase two? Because you're talking about what's my footprint on the rest of the world, or is it just searching for yourself in Google and seeing where you're,
1: where you are? Um, so how to tackle like links and press and yeah. things like that.
0: Yeah. Is there any way? Yeah. Uh, is there a tool that says, hey? this is where this is how i'm being seen on the internet
1: yeah so if you want to check rankings the the tool that i'm a fan of is is uh, called rank tracker and mm-hmm. it's on a website called the linkassistant.com it's link-assistant um, I like using that tool. Um, there's another tool. We primarily use two rank tracking tools. Um, one is desktop-based, so rank tracker is desktop-based. And then the other one that we use is cloud-based, and it's AWR cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, AdvancedWebRankings.com, I think, is, is the login. Um, now, the reason why we use two is because we use the cloud-based one for our reoccurring reports. So if, if you want to just automate the reports for your website, then you can just schedule it in AWR. Um if you want on-demand reports, then that's why we use Rank Tracker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Very
0: cool. Very cool. So so, um, like I said, this sounds like a lot of work, so I'm probably going to just engage you guys to do the work and everybody out there. <laughs> you probably don't want to do the work either because, like like you said, uh, you need to focus on your business. You need to focus on your work, not on SEO. And it sounds like this is really an essential. It's essential, essential in addition to... Uh, running paid ads and, and all that stuff so I mean people always can, they're they're always under budgeting how much how much money you need to throw in for marketing and sales and and lead generation and mm-hmm. everyone's looking for that shortcut but I think I don't think that the shortcut really works for the long term so so yeah. um, like tell us how people can get in touch with you where they can go
1: yeah so um, SEO national.com is, is my company website and then um, I also like uh, blogging about entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm a big family guy, so I, I blog about that kind of stuff on, on just my name damonburton.com. Burton.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then LinkedIn is, is my platform of choice uh, where I do a lot of social media engagement on there and, and you know if, if, if you don't mind me throwing out um, my podcast as well, yeah, um, I, I interview a lot, of, um, a lot a lot of my own clients as guests, and, um, you know, I've been at this for 12 years, I've had the pleasure of working with some really high-profile people, and so we, we got some good guests on, um, the podcast is learningfromothers.com, so uh, the further back you go, the more the podcast probably suck, because, <laughs> because, well, that happened it, to me, too, so don't worry about it. <laughs> But, but yeah, so that's so you can get a little business Damon
0: and a little personal Damon. Perfect, perfect. Well, I actually had a show prior to this one way back and started from 2005 to 2009. I did something about 900 episodes of it, and it was all uploaded to a company called uh, Podshow. And they disappeared with all of my content. So oh, oh,
1: it's
0: <laughs> those not. original shows were pretty bad. <laughs> so I remember when it started, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed by this. But I left, I left it up there because, you know, it's always I- great to uh, – you got, go lucky.
1: Back and... you got lucky because the Internet is forever, and you found yeah. a loophole where it was not forever. That's right. <laughs> Too bad it was stuff I wanted to keep on the Internet and not be uh, bad stuff. So. I don't know if this is good or bad, but you can go to archive.org, and you might have a shot of seeing some of your oh, yeah. old stuff.
0: Let's see. Uh, hopefully, I'll, <laughs> I'll check it out. <laughs> well,
1: thank you, sir. It was great. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.